What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the program. It is Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Hayden. Coming to you guys on the last day of the year. Can you believe that? It is the last day of 2021 recording uh, here in the morning. Uh, get an episode out for you guys uh, just before the new year, final episode of the year. Um, it's been a pretty, pretty interesting year. Uh, for for a lot of us, um, it's been an interesting year for for sports. Been an interesting year for for this podcast. I just uh, felt like it made sense just to say thank you for um, all the people that have uh, listened and supported um, over the couple of years that I've been doing this. Um, really, seemed like this year it took um, a good amount of steps. You know, getting the podcast on uh, Spotify and Apple Music, um, and to continue that, I do want to announce an exciting uh, exciting new direction for the podcast. I know I've been uh, talking about that the last couple of times, um, but I feel like for the listeners, might as well give you guys a bit of an update as to uh, what I'm thinking for the new year. So um, I'm hoping that I will be able to uh, do not, not one episode a week, but two. Um, and looking at a similar format um, as to what I'm doing now. You may have noticed the last couple episodes, we've just been doing kind of a lot of Boston sports, um, doing a lot of kind of on-the-surface stuff for, um, like, outside of Boston sports. But I think, um, you know, I've liked doing it this way, talking about the, the Boston teams, kind of getting a focus on that. So uh, the new format, I'm hoping that will uh, debut at some point. Um, in the next few weeks is we will do um, an episode early in the week, which will uh, just be me talking about the uh, Boston teams kind of doing a similar kind of doing a similar format to the podcasts that I've done maybe the last three or four weeks. Um, and so keeping that format, doing that type of podcast early in the week and then, uh, later in the week, bringing in a guest to talk um, about a kind of predetermined topic. So uh, bringing in a guest to maybe talk about the Celtics one week, talk about the Bruins one week, talk about the Red Sox, talk about any um, of the local teams or just anything else that comes up. Um, and so that would be a podcast that would come out later in the week. It would be Guest Fridays, Friend Friday, something like that. Um, and so that's what the plan is going to be. Obviously, I'll make a larger announcement um, on Twitter when the uh, when that new format comes in, um, and then obviously we'll let you guys know on the the guests that will be coming on. Maybe a surprise every once in a, every once in a while. But um, I'm very excited to um, do something new with the podcast and something that I think. A lot of the a lot of you listeners will enjoy because I know that um, you know in the past the episodes that I've done with um, Eric Bellier for example um, or Mike Craddy you know talking about uh, the Bruins talking about baseball what have you uh, that those episodes are typically uh, you know very popular um, and I think also noticing the interviews that I've done with a couple of my friends, uh, Sean Montgomery and Trenton Wright, 
that those episodes have done very well. So I think it seems like that would be, you know, a a way to go uh, for this podcast that I think the listeners would really enjoy just to kind of mix it up a little bit so you guys don't have to listen to me drag on for uh for for 90 minutes um so you know obviously i'm just kidding i know you guys um enjoy listening to me but i think that um it would be interesting just to get some different perspectives um from some different people so uh obviously that was a lot of time explaining about what's gonna uh, be going on uh, but obviously we'll let everyone know you know when that is going to start so that you guys can uh, be prepared for that so um, before we get into this week's pod um, as always you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter you can also follow or you can follow the podcast on uh, Spotify Apple Apple Podcasts I almost said Apple Music um, but you can follow us on both of those um, apps and you can also, you know, give us a like, a follow, a rating. Uh, would appreciate subscriptions, but um, obviously would appreciate any of that. So I feel like let's just get into it, get into this week's podcast. Um, obviously, it's uh, an interesting time for uh, Boston sports right now. Um, you know, we'll start with the Patriots, and obviously there's been a lot of conversation about this team over the last couple of weeks, and, you know, rightfully so. I think that this team obviously did some great things during that uh, seven-game win streak, but I think that it's obvious that, you know, this team needs to find a new spark um, after losing the last two games to Indianapolis and Buffalo, and I think... To the Patriots' defense, these are two, I think, very good football teams, and I think two very motivated football teams that have um, come in to these last two games and have been seemingly more motivated than uh, the Patriots. You know, when you think about the Colts game, and, you know, we talked about this last week, you know, it seemed like the Colts were the team that were way more motivated to come in and get a win in, in that game uh, than the Patriots were. Um, and it certainly seemed the case this past week when the Bills come in and uh, play a very, very good football game, you know, and kind of soundly defeat the Patriots. Um, you know, obviously a couple weeks after the Patriots had uh, embarrassed the Bills at home. Um, but, you know, you could make a you certainly could make an argument that the Bills return the favor to the Patriots and, you know, embarrass them at home. So, you know, it kind of seems like the Patriots and the Bills are, are even at this point. Um, you know, obviously the loss was kind of a double whammy because, you know, you lose to a division rival that you beat a couple weeks ago and you, you know, lose the division lead. And essentially, you know, I think bearing any type of uh, major collapse it seems like the bills will win the afc east um but i think that you know it's easy to look at this team over the last two weeks and say oh you know here they go again they're running out of gas you know they're playing poorly they're making bad mistakes and you know it's not that it's not true you know i think that when you've watched the last two weeks there have been some mistakes that have been made um you know 
some of the mistakes in Buff in the Buffalo game were not exactly um, mistakes that I think were uh, warranted for you know penalties. You know, I think that there were some uh, calls or non calls that uh, did not go the Patriots' way in the Buffalo game. I think that you know you could classify some things as mistakes, but on the other hand, you know I think that unfortunately the um, officials let the game get out of hand and didn't officiate it properly. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, just if you will indulge me for a few minutes, I think that, you know, if you watch that play where Mac Jones goes, you know, out of bounds, Jerry Hughes drags him down and there's no flag. Well, actually they pick up the flag, which was just a preposterous decision, you know, in the first place. But, the problem with that is then once that happens, then it opens the door for a Pandora's box of chippy plays or, you know, perceived dirty plays that, you know, got out of hand because you picked up the flag. You know, you have an opportunity to just say that, okay, there are certain things that are just not going to be allowed. And if you keep the flag, that's going to probably likely encourage players to not do any type of extracurricular activity but I mean when you let a Buffalo Bills player drag down the Patriots quarterback on the sideline after he's been out of bounds and by the way he seriously avoided what could have been a really ugly knee injury if you look at the way that his you know knee almost buckled um, then you know you have other plays in the game that you know, lead the Patriots to get up in the Bills' face to protect their quarterback. And then there's a flag thrown for that. And it's like, well, you know, the Bills got a couple shots on Mac Jones that I thought were unnecessary. You know, I don't think the out-of-bounds play was like a bad hit necessarily, but you saw the way Mac Jones slides down. Matt Milano, you know, takes him out, and that's not exactly... A great looking play but then the Patriots get penalized for trying to protect their quarterback and I just think you know the game got out of hand and it really shouldn't have and I think it's unfortunate because I think it kind of changed the game a little bit you know if the Patriots get some points at the end of the half you know if that penalty had stood you maybe are looking at a different game you know but I'm not going to sit here and complain and say oh this is why this is why they lost, but I also think, you know, there were some mistakes that the Patriots made that were warranted in a way. You know, you're going after the quarterback. What, I mean, what are you supposed to do? You know, I think you can't let stuff like that go. Um, and I just think the officials could have done a better job in this, in this case, but um, didn't really have much to do with the game. You know, I think that the defense was... Uh, really for the first time since that Dallas game, if you can remember, um, you know, all those weeks back. For the first time, I think this season, the defense, I think, really let you down in this game. Um, really just unable to get any stops. And I think just playing a type of defense that I think kept not working and there wasn't enough of an adjustment, um, I think clearly... You look at the day that Isaiah McKenzie had, most of that was against man coverage when, you know, the Bills are using that trips formation, you know, with the three receivers all kind of lined up in like a, 
a triangle or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, a couple of players kept getting burned because the Bills throw it to Isaiah McKenzie in that kind of man coverage, and he got a lot of receptions that way. Um, and it just was a very difficult thing to, to defend. And I think uh, the Bills, to their credit, I think had a really good offensive game plan, and they executed really well. Um, and I think, you know, credit to Josh Allen. He played unbelievable in that game. You know, I think that there were um, some moments where he just – made plays where he got out of the pocket and that was kind of the majority of the big plays in this game where he was able to, you know, kind of escape the the pocket and, you know, keep plays going longer than they should have. You know, I think the Patriots base coverage, you know, for, you know, assuming that the quarterback is staying in the pocket, the Patriots played good coverage that way. But then the moment that Josh Allen started to improvise and make plays, the Patriots were kind of, you know, playing catch up. So I think for the first time since that Dallas game, that defense looked a lot more just kind of out of sorts. And I think that for the first time in a while, the defense kind of cost you a game. And I know that, you know, offensively, there were some issues, you know, certainly Mac Jones did not help his own cause with a couple of interceptions. You know, I think that you know, that last interception can be taken with a grain of salt because it's a, you know, uh, like a prayer type of interception where, you know, it really wasn't a bad interception. He's just throwing it up there to try and make a play. You know, I think that obviously that second interception ball gets tipped a little, gets tipped a couple times, you know, not to say that, oh, he's blameless because he certainly did not play his best in this game. But I think, you know, there are some narratives that I think are a little a little too extreme with the fact that, oh, the Patriots need to play with a lead. They can't come back when it's pretty obvious the Patriots kind of came back in that Colts game. You know, obviously the result didn't, didn't finish, but it's like if the Patriots don't give up that touchdown run to Jonathan Taylor, uh, they had a very good chance to win that game. So I just think... Anyone trying to tell you that the Patriots can't play from behind and they're not built to play that way, I don't know if that's necessarily the truth, you know, because I think it was pretty obvious that Mac Jones kind of did almost build a fourth quarter comeback in the Colts game, you know, with two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. The Patriots almost came all the way back. Um, but I just think um, it just wasn't his best day, you know, and I think as a rookie, as a developing quarterback, you're going to have games like these. And I think as much as Mac Jones has been very good for this team, and I think I've said this on the podcast once or twice, that yes, he's had a great season, but it doesn't mean that he's not going to have slip-ups and bad games and you know games where he just doesn't play well. But that's also not to say that he can't improve, that he can't get better, that he can't get better with more development because after all he's a rookie so I really think it just was a tough day at the office for the Patriots and it's unfortunate that they've had two straight losses and you know these two teams that they played were very very good um, but I think there's reason to be hopeful for this team and I think you know for for a lot of people finishing the season the way they did last year seven and nine, you know, losing record. 
they went out and improved. You know, they got a lot of key players in the offseason, got a lot of key players in the draft, and, you know, here they are at 9-6 and six with two games left, you know, a pretty good chance to, to win 11 games, which I think a lot of people thought that this was going to be best-case scenario for this team, you know, and here they are. You know, I think that the expectations for this team, I think— can still be positive. You know, I think if you had expectations at the beginning of the season that they're going to win 10 or 11 games, you know, they're right there. They're right there on track for that. You know, that's what where I kind of thought they would be. Um, and it seems like they're on track for that. So I think, you know, as much as it's been disappointing, the Patriots are in a great spot future-wise. You know, I think they're way... They're more far along than I thought they, they would be at this point. You know, I really thought that best case scenario this season they would push buffalo for the afc champ afc title or afc east title and they've kind of done that you know i think they probably don't have a great chance at winning the afc east but getting to this point beating buffalo on the road a couple weeks ago you know being nine and six with a chance to go 11 and six for the regular season you know i think it's something that you can feel good about you know you don't have to feel all negative because they've lost two games in a row and maybe the defense has not looked great but I think there's still positives you can take out of this season and no matter how it ends they're in a great spot so I think a lot of people would have you believe that it's you know doom and gloom and it's horrible and the Patriots you know blew their chance to win the division but I think you know, you got to think the position that they're in is a lot better than it could be. You know, worst case scenario, Mac Jones could not have, you know, adjusted to the pro game very well. And this team could be sitting at five and nine or, you know, some record where they have no chance to make the playoffs, kind of like they did last year. So, you know, I think just before you get too negative about this team, you got to remember that I think. They're doing better than a lot of us thought that they were. So um, Patriots will get ready for uh, Jacksonville this weekend. They'll welcome in the Jags. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, obviously the first overall pick, will be a big story in this game. Uh, the Jaguars are also incredibly shorthanded um, in terms of some COVID issues, so that could be a pretty big issue for them. Um, I do expect the Patriots to not really have a lot of issues with this. Uh, hopefully they can close their... Uh, home slate with a win but it is also interesting to consider that you know Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence you know thinking about that you know Trevor Lawrence was definitely far and away the first overall pick um, just interesting to kind of take a look at their seasons now I think it's not totally fair to compare the teams because I think the Patriots have had some really good offensive players Jacksonville maybe not so much maybe the leadership is kind of lacking um, but it is interesting just to see that Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence you know the numbers for Mac are you know considerably better so um, I would expect the Patriots get back to scoring a good amount of points in this game um, I would hope that maybe they can get some stuff going in the passing game you know just to get Mac's confidence in a good spot you know before that final week of the final week of the season against Miami, you know, whether or not that's going to be 
a big game for both of the teams, you know, I think remains to be seen. So I think expect the Patriots to definitely score a good amount of points in this game. Um, you know, Damian Harris has had an excellent season at three touchdowns last week. You know, that was really the only positive of that game last week that he was outstanding. You know, he's had 800, 857 yards, 12 touchdowns on the season. He's got a pretty good chance to get a thousand yards uh, for the season. So Patriots are pretty heavily favored in this game. Um, but I think that you want them to get back to good habits. Um, and I think that you've not really seen that over the last two games. And I think, yes, it is a team that you should beat. Yes, this is a team that, say, the Patriots dominate. It's not a game that you should feel like, oh, okay, they're back um, to being like a Super Bowl contender. But I think anytime you go through some tough losses and, you know, you have a team that comes in that you should beat, I think sometimes gives you a, a a chance to be positive about something that I think no matter who the team is, you know, any win you can get at this point in the year, I think counts as a relatively big win. You know, I think the Patriots are in need with a comeback or are in need of kind of a, a comeback type game where they just come back and they play really well, um, I think. That is what you're going to see this week. Uh, Patriots come into the week looking to clinch a playoff berth. They will get one um, if they win, and then they will also they will get a playoff berth if they win, and and either Miami or the Colts, or no Miami or Las Vegas lose. So Miami is playing Tennessee. Vegas is playing Indianapolis. So if the Raiders or the Dolphins lose this week and the Patriots win, they will be in the playoffs. Um, and that's another thing, you know, I didn't think the Patriots are going to be a team that would clinch a playoff berth, you know, this soon. Well, I mean, I guess it's the second to last week of the season. Um, but I think just considering that this team, I think did a lot to improve in the off season, in the draft and to think that they or this close to a playoff spot, you know, I think is is good. You know, I think it's it's okay to it's okay to be positive about this team, even though they've maybe not had a lot of positives over the last two weeks. But uh, be curious to see, you know, what the offense looks like, what they try to do this week. Kendrick Bourne, you know, hopefully is back and in a little bit more of the swing of things. You know, he came off the COVID list to play last weekend, but obviously did not practice all week, so. I'd be curious to see if they get him back involved. I think the Patriots, you know, team and the fans, I think, are hopeful that, you know, Johnny Smith can get a game where he gets more involved. Um, so I think there are definitely things to look for in this week's game. And I think, you know, again, anytime you can get a win this point in the year, I think is is important for confidence and I think important for a team like the Patriots that I think getting a win, getting something to feel good about themselves could do a whole lot of good. Um, so Patriots favored by 16. I would expect that it's going to be more than that that they win by. I think that this should be a game the Patriots should have no problem scoring 30 points, um, you know, 31 to 10, something like that. Um, you know, we all know Belichick's track record against rookie quarterbacks. And, you know, this is a Jacksonville team that's very you know, depleted in terms of on uh, what they can do on offense. 
um, and defense. So I think the Patriots should, you know, have a game where hopefully they can feel good about themselves offensively, defensively, and on special teams, you know, leading into a key game against the Dolphins last week of the season, you know, assuming that that's how it shakes out to be. Um, so I think, I think that's probably going to be it for talking about uh, the Patriots. We'll get to the rest of the NFL uh, Week 17 in a little bit. Um, we'll take a look at some of the matchups uh, that will take place on Monday or uh, Sunday and Monday. There is a Monday night game the last week of this season, so we'll get to that in a little bit. So I think next we will get to talking about the Celtics. Uh, the Bruins obviously have not had... Um, any games since we last uh, had our pot or since, since we had last week's podcast. So, um, you know, we'll talk about the Bruins, talk a little bit about them, but obviously with them not being uh, active in the last couple of days, it makes sense to jump to the Celtics who have been um, active over the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately, it's not been uh, active in terms of, you know, good games and good wins. The Celtics have um, dropped three in a row after beating the Cavaliers um, at the Garden last week. So they dropped a game to the Bucks on Christmas, dropped a game to the Timberwolves the other night, and then dropped a game to the Clippers at home the other night in which they uh, could not make a three-point shot to save their lives. They were uh, four for 42. Um, apparently the second-worst performance by a team uh, shooting at least 43s in a game. So... Um, you can kind of figure out the math on that one about, you know, 10%. So obviously the Celtics are not really in a good spot. You know, I think that unfortunately the COVID bug is, has hit them. Jason Tatum has been out of the last couple games after testing positive. So he's missed the Timberwolves and the Clippers game. Um, obviously was in the lineup for the Christmas Day game against the Bucks. Um, obviously, that was a disastrous game. The Celtics build a 19-point lead in the first half, lose the game, um, and then lose uh, to the Timberwolves the other night. They were pretty shorthanded, but um, they have gotten most of the guys back. You know, Jason Tatum and uh, Ennis Freedom really are the only players that are, you know, rotation players that have missed the last couple games because of COVID. Marcus Smart's been hurt, um, so he missed the last game. And Dennis Schroeder, obviously, has still been in the COVID protocol, so he's another one um, that I'm forgetting. But obviously, it's uh, it's been a it's been a tough go for the Celtics. They actually uh, play the Suns this afternoon at one o'clock to close out the, the close out 2021, and it's uh, not really the best team you want to see, or <laughs> it's not really the team you want to see uh, going through a tough stretch like the Celtics are. Uh, four losses in their last five. Um, Cleveland. The only game that they have won, they won last week on the 22nd. I think that was right before we recorded our last podcast. So the Celtics uh, will remain at home for the next almost about a week. They have Phoenix, obviously, tonight. They will host the Magic on Sunday. Then they will play the San Antonio Spurs at home next Wednesday before they have uh, two matchups against the Knicks um, in New York next Thursday and then at home against the Knicks next Saturday night. So, you know, it's kind of been more the same for this team, that they've been a team that struggled to kind of put 
wins together or just kind of solid play together. Um, you know, I think that obviously COVID and injuries have played a role in it, and that's kind of seems like it's been the same thing as it was last year um, with the Celtics having a lot of players out and having to kind of throw together some some lineups that I think it's just hard to kind of get continuity. It's hard to get kind of an evaluation of this team and not to say that it's an excuse because I think, you know, most of the problems with this team has been the, the effort and the, and playing hard and things that things like that, that I think should not be anything that is hard to do on a nightly basis. Um, but I think, you know, bringing someone in like Joe Johnson, I think has maybe been a positive. I mean, I would like to see the Celtics keep him around just maybe as a older kind of veteran presence. Um, but it just seems like it's, you know, for whatever reason, it's just not happening for this team right now. You know, I think Jalen Brown's been very good coming back from his um, injury. You know, he scored 30 points in some of the last couple of games. Um, but I think you're seeing a team that it's just kind of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and you kind of don't know what you're going to get from other people. I mean, obviously, there have been players that have played well with the opportunity. You know, I think Peyton Pritchard, considering the Celtics have been without Smart and without Schroeder for some of the last couple of games, he's gotten plenty of minutes and has looked really good. You know, I think that he's a player that, as difficult as it may be, you kind of need to get him playing time. And I think if the Celtics are going to be a team that's just going to be around 500 and maybe not going to be a contending team, you know, why wouldn't you give him more playing time? You know, I think, why wouldn't you give Aaron e. Smith more time? And I know that he's a player that often, you know, plays out of control and that can kind of be a detriment. Um, you got to have him play. You know, I think that it would be different if the Celtics are kind of running through their schedule and are like top three in the East and playing really well, but they're not. You know, they're a team right now that is three games under 500 and really have not been able to find a rhythm. And so it's just like, if you were a team that's, you know, just kind of not very good, why wouldn't you play the younger players? Um, and so I think it'll be curious to see, you know, how they approach the trade deadline, you know, with that with that approaching. I think it's February 10th. Um, but I think I would like them to see you know, what they can get from some of the younger guys. I mean, I think that it makes a lot of sense, you know, to do something like that, to keep um, your, you know, young guys on the team and see what they can do with minutes. You know, it has been good to see someone like Romeo Langford getting consistent minutes, you know, whether that's in the starting lineup or off the bench. Um, but I think in terms of moving forward, I think this team really has to be, you know, harsh, about, you know, how they're going to kind of get out of this rut. And I think, you know, the first thing you try to do is identify the players that you want to keep um, because I just think this season is just going to go the way it's going to go. And I think it's going to be a lot similar to last year that, you know, they'll win a couple games, they'll look pretty good, and then they'll, you know, come back and not play well. You know, it's, it's hard to expect anything else from this team. I mean, you've seen this team play. 35 games I mean that's almost half the season and I just think at this point the team is what they're going to be and I think they're going to be 
similar to last year. They're going to be around 500. They're going to be a team that, you know, likely goes to the play-in, maybe gets out of the play-in, plays a really good team in the first round, you know, and maybe they get lucky and win a game or two. Um, but I just think beyond that, it's hard to expect that you're going to see anything else from this team. Um, but I think, you know, people watch this team and get frustrated, and I think that that's legit. You know, they're a team that sometimes doesn't play as hard as they should, and I think, you know, you look at this team after, you know, beating Toronto and Philly at the beginning of the month, the Celtics, you know, are 4-9 and nine since then, so I think they have to, going forward, identify the players that should be around and then just kind of go from there, you know, and I think in my opinion, you know, if we're talking about moving guys, I think Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson, you know, guys who have value that you could move at the trade deadline because I think it's going to be a lot smarter for the Celtics to be trading guys than trying to get talent to, you know, salvage their season. I just don't think that that makes sense. Um, but I think, you know, the the thing that I get frustrated with, you know, and I think that it's, it's legitimate that people have frustrations with this team over the last two years, you know, whatever it's been really since the bubble. Um, but trading Jalen Brown is not something that's going to make this team better, you know, and I understand that, okay, to maybe get the team's attention, you have to trade someone big and you have to, you know, do something drastic to kind of improve the team. But a move that drastic is not smart at all. Um, and I just think, Tatum and Brown, despite what other people say, have proven that they can play together and they can play well together. They've led the team to two Eastern Conference Finals. So, you know, anyone trying to tell you that they are not good together is just not telling the truth, you know, or just kind of, or just, just lying and telling you that that's the truth when it's not because they have some other agenda, um, it's just, it's just not true. And I just think anyone who has watched this team and knows this team knows that that is not the right thing to do. And by the way, if you are going to trade Jalen Brown, I mean, what are you going to do? Trade him for Ben Simmons? Trade him for, for Damian Lillard? Like, are you really going to get that much better? You know, and that's the other thing. I just think if you are really going to trade Jalen Brown, you know, and that kind of seems to be what what people want to do when they when they say they want to blow the team up, but, you know, you're not going to get better overnight by trading Jalen Brown. Um, and I just think it makes more sense for this team going forward to keep the two of them together and try to get a third player. Um, I think that that's just going to be a lot smarter than getting, you know, another player to play alongside Tatum when it's like you kind of need a third player. And I think... You know, the Celtics maybe were hoping that Marcus Smart could be that third player, but I just think it's not really possible. Um, but I just think you would be so much better if you get a third player versus if you swap Jalen Brown for another star, because then essentially you're right back where you started. You know, if you want to get rid of one of your two stars for another star, you're probably right back in the same situation. And why wouldn't you want to try to go get a third? And so that's kind of how I see it. Um, with the future of this team. But again, anyone that tells you that Tatum and Brown don't work well together are just not telling the truth. 
Um, and that just kind of makes me angry because that's kind of the first thing that people go to when they say, oh, like, let's blow the team up. Let's get rid of everyone. And it's just like, I think the Celtics are some major tweaks away from being a pretty good contender, but trading Jalen Brown is not something that's going to make you better. Um, and so I think, you know, going forward for this team, I think you have to identify players that you want to keep around. And in my opinion, at least, I think you want to keep around the two J's. I think that despite some people not liking some of the things that Marcus Smart does, I think that you want to keep him around. And, you know, the team likes him. The team signed him to a contract extension. There's a reason why they did that. There's a reason why they did that with Robert Williams. And he started to play well recently. He's had double-digit rebounds four games in a row. And I think is starting to become that player that the Celtics were hoping he was going to be. Um, so I think those four players you, you should keep around. And I think extend it to, to Pritchard and Neesmith. I think that those two guys have proven that they can be big-time players and they belong in the NBA. And so I think going forward, those are six guys that I think you need to keep going forward. I mean, I think some people would say Horford, but I think that, you know, he's on a non-guaranteed contract next season. I think the Celtics would probably rather try to look elsewhere in terms of, you know, using that money for something else. But I think if you take a look at those six players, I mean, I think that that's or this are six players that I think I would like to keep around. And I just think, you know, rest of the season is, unfortunately, it's just going to be what it's going to be. And I think that some people kind of just need to come to terms with it. And I think, unfortunately, the, the coaching change has not really bared any fruit. I don't think it's really made this team any better. And I think that on, a, on, on some levels, that's very concerning because I think that that tells you that with the issues with this team is it's not it's not it's not it's not coaching you know and i'll be honest like that was one of my complaints last year when people wanted brad to get fired and it was like okay well if you fire brad if you fire brad you know a what is your plan and then b what are you going to do if the players don't respond to the new coach you know and unfortunately that's kind of what's going on right now um, but I don't think that firing Ime Udoka is anything that is going to help this team. You know, I think one year into his coaching career is not is just not the way to go. Um, so I think that for this season, you know, and I said this to someone the other night, like you just kind of got to ride it out and the season is going to be what it's going to be. And I think that you got to hope that maybe – the Celtics can get everyone healthy and get them going for a period of time and maybe they can win some games. Um, but I think, you know, based on what you've seen, based on what you've seen, it's hard to expect anything more than them just going to, you know, the play in round and maybe winning a game in the first round, kind of like they did last season. Um, so obviously the matchup with the Suns this afternoon at one o'clock Suns obviously have just been on a tear to start this season. Um, and the Celtics and Suns met a couple of weeks ago in Phoenix. The Suns won by 21. So hopefully the Celtics can do a little bit better. Obviously, Devin Booker coming into Boston, you know how well he does against the Celtics. And 
um, how he does in Boston specifically did have that 70 point game in Boston not too long ago so that's probably what it's going to be for the Celtics you know we'll um, or that's going to be it for talking about the Celtics for now oh this is, this is it for the Celtics they're they're over as a franchise <laughs> no I'm just kidding um, but certainly you know it's a it's a it's a tough it's not a fun time to be a Celtics fan but you know hopefully there are things that they can you know get right but I think trade deadline the Celtics should be a team that trades some guys and I think trading some guys that gives you future flexibility not saying that oh they should trade Marcus Smart not like a full rebuild not anything like that I just think that that's not pertinent but I think you could see them trading Schroeder because he's not coming back next year I think Richardson is a guy that you could trade you know maybe you trade Horford but I don't know I think I would be a little surprised if they did something like that and as much as Horford's deal next year is not guaranteed that's not, you know, me saying that, oh, they should get rid of him because I do think there's value in keeping him here because I think not only is he a good veteran presence, he's also a pretty good basketball player. Like, if you've seen him play this year, you know, you would not think that he's 35. You would be probably kicking the thunder last year for sitting him on the bench, and look, I understand why they did it, but he can still play. You know, he can still play. He can still play at a very high level, so... I'll be curious to see, you know, what the future holds for him. I'd be very surprised if they traded him, but I think, you know, you might want to think about future flexibility. Um, but I do think Dennis Schroeder should be someone that gets traded, and I think regardless of what they do over the next month plus, um, I just think that it's a lot smarter to trade him because, you know, it's pretty much impossible to bring him back next season. So I think... You know, you look for a team that maybe is desperate for a backup point guard and you just deal him. Um, you know, Freedom is someone else that I think absolutely could get traded. A team that maybe needs rebounding help. You know, he's someone that he's not really going to help you, you know, the rest of the season. So I think it would make sense to trade him. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. So we'll uh, move on from the Celtics and talk about the Bruins. They have finally some games coming up. I know that that's hard to believe. Uh, obviously, the NHL's COVID pause has had a lot to do with that. The Bruins, not the only team that was shut down for a period of time, but um, the Bruins finally are back in action tomorrow afternoon at the Garden against Buffalo. And then they will take on the Red Wings in Detroit tomorrow afternoon. Um, and then Tuesday, they're back at the Garden against the Devils. So, you know, Bruins are in an interesting spot because I think, you know, obviously at the time of the pause, the Bruins were going through a lot of a lot of issues, you know, with, with the, the team not being able to score enough goals, you know, the defense being shaky at some points, you know, guys being in and out of the lineup with, with, with COVID and whatnot, but it just seems like the Bruins are getting everyone back that it seems like by the time they play tomorrow, they might be able to get everyone back. Um, and Charlie Coyle may be allowed to return, I think, with new uh, quarantine rules or protocols that the NHL, the NBA, and the NFL have put forward with the uh, five-day quarantine. I think it would be possible 
for Charlie Coyle to play tomorrow, but obviously keep your eye on that. But it seems like everyone else, you know, Brandon Carlo, uh, Trent Frederick, Jeremy Swayman, Taylor Hall, um, all those guys are, are back and the Bruins have been practicing. So I think you know, the Bruins will be almost back to full strength. You know, it was tough to get the news a couple weeks about. It was tough to get the news a couple weeks ago with Jakob Zaboral tearing his ACL being out for the season. Um, but I think this is a team that maybe the pause can, you know, be a positive for the Bruins, you know, maybe the time off can be a positive for them and, you know, they can try to get going and try to get this season back on track. Um, and so I think, you know, taking a look at the standings, you know, where the Bruins are, I think it's not ideal, obviously, but, you know, I think that considering the games off that they've had, you know, the games in hand that they have, it's still very much a possibility that the Bruins can, you know, get hot and be a team that could be a problem, you know, if they get into the playoffs. But um, it just will be good to see them get back in action. Um, and hopefully with almost everyone, um, Tukarask, I think, is close to returning. I think I had seen something on Twitter that he is close to returning to signing a contract. So, you know, I think that that's something that could light a spark uh, for this team going forward. I think it's a team just looking for a spark. You know, I think that this team is better than the team that they've played, that they've played as for the first uh, 26 games of the season. Um, obviously, it's not going to be, it's not going to be pretty, you know, the, the rest of the season, considering the amount of games that they have to play in, you know, 100 days. But I think this is a team that it's very possible that this team can get hot. And I think, you know, this is a team that I feel confident that this team goes on a roll, goes six, seven, eight games without a loss. You know, I think they can be right back where they need to be. And I think, you know, the pause can just be something that they just needed some extra time off and guys can come back healthy and ready to go. So I think It'll be interesting to see, you know, what this team looks like. But I think you want to see this team bringing consistent effort every consistent effort every night. You know, getting the good goaltending, playing good team defense, and capitalizing on your scoring chances. You know, whether that's on the power play, whether that's at five on five. The Bruins have obviously had their fair share of five on five issues this season. Um, but I think the easiest way, I think, to get guys back in the swing of things offensively is to capitalize on your power play chances. Um, so I think that look for that to be maybe a catalyst for the Bruins, you know, if they can get off to a good start, you know, after the pause. Um, because I think, you know, as much as we want to be positive about, okay, they're still in a good spot, you know, you need to see results because I think that there are teams playing in the league right now that are a little bit better than you thought they would be. You know, Detroit being one of them. You know, I think that Detroit's a team that the Bruins might be battling with for a playoff spot the rest of the season. But, you know, if they can get a win against them on Sunday, I think that that could really help them, help their cause. If they can just pick up some points, try to kind of get momentum going, you know, in the new year. If they can get Tukarask back, I think that they're targeting some date in January for him to return. I think that they do believe that they want to get him playing 
some games in the AHL before he returns, but it seems like it's, you know, mid-January that they're targeting for his return. I think as much as the Bruins goaltending has been very good for points in the season, I think that, you know, there's no reason you wouldn't want to bring Tuka back and see if he can, you know, ignite a spark with this team. But I think, you know, certain players, you want to see more from Taylor Hall. You want to see more from Eric Halla and Nick Foligno. You know, not that they're goal scorers, but I think you want to see more production from them. You want to see production from Craig Smith, you know, as well as David Pasternak and the top guys. Um, but I think that there's a real opportunity here for the Bruins to, you know, get off to a good start after the pause and really kind of start to be engaged more and realize that these games are going to be really, really important, you know, going forward, especially the games against Detroit or the teams that you're chasing or happen to be chasing in the playoffs, playoff positioning. So, you know, I think Taylor Hall is definitely the, the guy that I want to see a little more from. He's kind of had a tough time this season, but, you know, I think I have confidence in this team. I have confidence in the the leadership of this team that they can get the team, you know, where it needs to be. So Bruins back in action tomorrow with uh, Buffalo coming to the garden and then they will play in Detroit at one o'clock on Sunday. So you can switch between the Patriots and the Bruins. Um, just some other notes, Oscar Steen, who had played a couple games with the Bruins before the uh, pause has been assigned back to Providence as it seems like the Bruins are getting the majority of their guys back. So I think that that will be definitely something to keep an eye on in terms of guys getting called up. Um, but I think if the Bruins are going to be at full strength, they want to kind of see what they can do um, at full strength. So just some other notes with the Bruins. Obviously, there was a announcement that the NHL is moving some games uh, from Canada. So the Bruins will play the Canadians at home on January 12th. They were supposed to play um, in Boston on March 21st, but that game has been moved up to January 12th. Uh, the Bruins were supposed to go to Montreal, I think, on the 12th. I think that game has been postponed for the moment. Um, and then some news today, Willie O'Ree will be, uh, or his number will be retired um, on January 18th against the Carolina Hurricanes. His Number 22 will be retired um, in TD Garden, which is about time, almost uh, 64 years to the day of his historic NHL debut. Obviously, the uh, first black hockey player to ever appear in an NHL game. So um, that will certainly be a, uh, uh, a date to circle on your calendar to see that uh, jersey retirement ceremony. Um, so I think that that's probably it for the Bruins, obviously, the NHL has gotten back into playing the last couple days. The Bruins were supposed to come off the pause on the 27th, but that was postponed. And then the game on the 29th was also postponed. But Bruins, two afternoon games this weekend, and then we'll play the Devils at the Garden on Tuesday. So I think we'll get to our other kind of non-Boston sports stuff. Obviously, there's not a lot... Obviously, there's not a lot to talk about with the Red Sox because they are, uh, you know, there's, you know, no news with the lockout still going on. But obviously, we'll let you know as soon as uh, there's any news with that. Um, so I think taking a look at the NFL scoreboard for this week for week 17, 
we'll take a look at the games and then we'll take a look at the playoff standings um, with two weeks to go and there's still a lot to be decided so obviously Patriots and Jags will play at Gillette Sunday at one o'clock the Buffalo Bills um, can clinch the division with a win and the and a Patriots loss um, they will host the Falcons at one o'clock so I think Buffalo might be back in business after the uh, win against the Patriots but I expect that they are going to I expect that they are going to win this game um, I think you know it's just going to be too difficult for Atlanta to score enough points in this game I just think you have a warm weather team going to a very cold place and I just think Atlanta is not a team that I think can do a lot of things on offense like I think Buffalo is going to be able to do enough offensively to win this game um, but I think that, you know, this could maybe potentially be a trap game for Buffalo, um, just considering some of the games that they've played during this season where they haven't played well, you know, losing to Jacksonville. I didn't think they played well against Carolina two weeks ago. So, you know, maybe there's hope for Atlanta, you know, maybe there's hope that the Bills could have a letdown after a huge win, but I don't believe that that's going to happen. I think Buffalo gets the win um, fairly easily. The Giants and the Bears will play at 1 o'clock. The Giants obviously losing Daniel Jones for the season a few weeks ago. Chicago obviously still with uh, Justin Fields. I think he has a good performance this week. I think he is going to play in this one. I think that he has been hurt the last couple weeks, but I think that he will be able to go and get a win for the Bears. I think the Bears get the win. Uh, could possibly be one of Matt Nagy's final games as head coach for the Bears. I think that that will be a coaching vacancy that will probably be open during the season or in the off season. Kansas City and Cincinnati. This is going to be a really interesting game. I think this is a very, very real potential playoff preview, potentially maybe in the uh, division division round or the AFC Championship. Joe Burrow and Cincinnati obviously had. Um, an amazing uh, record-breaking game last week as Burrow passed for over 500 yards and four touchdowns in their in their win. Um, but you know, your reward for for playing really well is bringing in the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, who I think have won, I think it's seven or eight in a row. Um, it's a team that has looked good at times during their winning streak. But I think Patrick Mahomes has not necessarily looked his best this season. Um, but I think that Kansas City gets a good offensive performance in this one. I think Cincinnati does too. I think you could see a really, really good game. Um, but it's just hard for me to pick against Kansas City, um, just considering the way that they've been playing, especially defensively. Um, I think their defense gets a big play late in the game, and the Chiefs get the win and improve to 12-4. and I believe that they can lock up the first overall seed if they win and Tennessee loses this week. Miami and Tennessee will go at it at 1 o'clock. This is a huge game. Massive implications both for the Patriots and for the AFC playoff chase. Uh, Tennessee looking to keep pace with Kansas City, um, bringing in a Miami team that has come, come, come from nowhere. You know, 1-7 a number of weeks ago, but they've won seven straight. Um, I think this is going to be a bit of a challenge for Miami because I think Tennessee's defense might make some plays. You know, I think Miami obviously has been very good with Tua 
they've been able to win games with their defense. I think it really could come down to which quarterback makes uh, makes more mistakes than the other one. Um, but I think Tennessee, their defense is more apt to make a big play than Miami's is on the road. I like Tennessee to win at home, but I think this is going to be very close. Um, so obviously, Patriots win and a Dolphins loss puts them in the playoffs. Uh, Vegas loss also would put them in the playoffs. So I like Tennessee to win this game, and I like the Patriots to lock up a playoff spot this week. Obviously, we'll see if that happens. The Colts and the Raiders will play. Uh, the Colts unsure whether they will get Carson Wentz available for this game, um, as he attested positive for COVID uh, almost a week ago. So I think that that could make a huge difference if he's not able to go. Um, but Vegas has been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team almost all season. You kind of don't know what you're going to get from them. Um, I like the Colts to win, no matter who the quarterback is, but I think if Wentz doesn't play, this game could be a lot closer. But I think if Wentz is able to play, I think the Colts win rather easily over Vegas. Tampa Bay will welcome in the Jets. Like I, I do like the Bucks in this game. I think they had a good uh, response game and a win against Carolina last week. I think they keep that going with their 12th win of the season. I believe they can lock up the division with a win. Uh, Philadelphia 8-7 and seven goes to Washington. I believe that Philadelphia can clinch a playoff spot if they win. Um, although Washington's been kind of a weird team this year. You kind of don't know what you're going to get from them. Obviously, they got embarrassed in Dallas last week. Um, but, again, they're just a weird team that it's just hard to figure out what kind of team they're going to be. Um, unclear whether Taylor Heineke will be able to play or actually, no, that was the week before, excuse me. So um, this game in Washington, I mean, I do like the Eagles to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if Washington kind of pulls a, um, you know, upset, so to speak, um, in this game. I do like Philly to win a close one, but I think Washington could possibly pull it out. Uh, the Rams against the Ravens. The Ravens really hoping they can get Lamar Jackson back from the ankle injury that's kept him out of a couple games recently. Um, but I think either way, I like the Rams to win this game on the road. I think they're going to be able to uh, put up enough points deep or offensively. Uh, Baltimore would be very curious to see who would be the quarterback um, if Jackson is unable to go. Tyler Huntley might go. He played really well against the Packers um, a couple weeks ago, so I think he could have a good game, but I think the Rams are, are peaking at the right time, so I think that they get the win. I believe they can win the division uh, with a win this week. Denver and the Chargers at 4.05. This is a massive game for both of these teams. I think Chargers will be in a very good spot if they can win this game. Denver really needs to win this game if they're going to have any hope of going to the playoffs. Um, Denver at 7-8, and eight, the Chargers at 8-7. and seven. The Chargers did not look good against Houston last week, so it's kind of they are turning into a team that you kind of don't know what you're going to get each week. You know, obviously, you know what they can do from an offensive perspective, but I think defensively they're kind of always a question mark. And, you know, I don't know how many points they're going to be able to score this week with a very good Denver defense. But on the other hand, I don't know if Denver is going to be able to score enough points to win this game. So... I like the Chargers at home, but I think this could be a low-scoring game. And, you know, if that's the case, I think Denver would like their chances there. Houston and San Francisco 
San Francisco can, I believe, lock up a playoff spot with a win. But a Houston team, 4-11, and you know, played really well against the Chargers last week. I think that they have a chance to make this close, but I think San Francisco is going to win despite, you know, if or even if Jimmy Garoppolo does not play in this game. I do like San Francisco to win. And then Carolina and New Orleans. New Orleans really needs this game. I don't know if they're going to be able to get the win, though. Um, Taysom Hill may be able to return, or I should, I should say it differently. I think they can win this game. I'm just not sure about their playoff chances. Uh, Taysom Hill will probably return in this game. Carolina turning to Sam Darnold as he is back from an injury. Carolina's pretty, I think he's been eliminated at this point as they are 5-10. and 10. But I like the Saints at home in this one, Detroit and Seattle. Detroit's played pretty well recently as they've gotten a couple wins. But I think, I think Seattle gets the win at home. You have Arizona against Dallas. Arizona has been uh, free-falling over the last couple of weeks. Um, they are 10-5, and five, could not get a win at home against the Colts last week. Dallas is just a team that, you know, if they're starting to get their tempo going offensively, I don't know if there's a team in the league that can beat them. Um, so I think this is going to be a, a really important game. I think Arizona needs this game desperately, you know, if they're going to be taken seriously as a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I think Arizona makes this a very good game, but I think Dallas is going to be able to make too many plays on offense uh, to lose. So I think Dallas will win this game, but I think Kyler Murray does have a really good game, but I just really don't like what Arizona has been doing over the last couple of weeks. Minnesota and Green Bay will play Sunday night. Minnesota getting news uh, just today that Kirk Cousins um, has tested positive, so he will probably will miss the game. Um, Minnesota probably can kiss their playoff chances goodbye. Um, in this one, I don't really expect them to have any chance against Green Bay on the road. Um, so I think Green Bay wins. I think locks up the number one seed in the NFC. And then Cleveland and Pittsburgh, game for uh, playoff opportunity. I think the loser will go home. And then the winner probably needs to get some help if they're going to get into the playoffs. So that will be... A very important game for both of those teams. So taking a look at the standings very quickly with two games to go. In the AFC, Kansas City still with that number one seed. I believe that they can clinch the number one seed with a win over Cincinnati this week. Uh, Tennessee at 10-5. and five. Then you got Cincinnati and Buffalo rounding out the division winners. And then the wild card positions, the Colts, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. So... You know, sometimes I like to play this game that, oh, okay, if the Patriots made the playoffs today, you know, they'd be playing the Bengals, and honestly, that's not an opponent that would scare me, and I know that Joe Burrow has been really good at times this season. Um, it's a team that does not have a lot of postseason experience, and I think that kind of can be pretty important this time of year, you know, when you're playing against teams that know how to get it done in the playoffs and so I think you know it would be a winnable game and I do think if they played Buffalo in the first round it would be a rather winnable game too so I'd be curious to see you know what happens with that but at the moment Patriots are in the sixth spot Miami is in the seventh Baltimore and the Chargers and the Raiders 
are all right there. So I think that Miami has the tiebreaker over Baltimore thanks to a better win win-loss record in conference games. So Baltimore, the Chargers, and the Raiders are on the outside looking in. And then you have Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Denver that are still hoping to have a couple teams lose if they if they can get in. In the NFC, Green Bay, or actually Kansas City is the only team in the AFC that has clinched a playoff spot at the moment. And they have also clinched their division. Dallas and Green Bay and Tampa Bay actually have all clinched. Those teams have already clinched their division. Um, those three teams are in the playoffs. L.A. and Arizona are also in the playoffs. So five teams are already in for the NFC, just two teams left. Green Bay, the one seed, then Dallas and the Rams and Tampa Bay, two, three, four. And then the wildcard teams, Arizona at fifth. And then San Francisco and Philadelphia, six and seven. Minnesota, Atlanta, and the Saints are on the outside looking in. Washington would need some serious help, and actually, there just became news just now that they are going to be without Antonio Gibson, their starting running back and starting left guard, Eric Flowers, um, against the Eagles. They will be without the two of them. So things are looking pretty good for the Eagles right now. I think that Minnesota, probably without Kirk, or going to be without Kirk Cousins, Atlanta going to Buffalo, you know, and then the Saints kind of not really sure what they're going to be, so... Things are looking pretty good for the Eagles and the NFC. So I think that that probably does it for the NFL. Obviously, the games this week will be huge, and they will be very important for you know which teams get into the playoffs and maybe potentially what some matchups look like. Um, so we will be back with you guys next week to talk more NFL, hopefully talking about a Patriots team that has clinched a playoff spot, but... Uh, we will see. So now, I think, to close out the show, we'll give you an update on some bowl games that have happened recently, and then we'll get into a preview of the uh, National Championship semifinals that will be later today. So, obviously, we were with you guys last week. on the 22nd so i'll just go through and take a look at some bowl games that were good games or featured games with uh, good teams on let's say on wednesday there were some solid games um, oklahoma with a big win against oregon 47 to 32 bob stoops came back to coach the sooners in this game after lincoln riley lincoln riley had left to usc so Oklahoma beats Oregon, a matchup between two ranked teams in that one. Um, Clemson beat Iowa State in their bowl game, so Clemson finishes the year 10-3. Uh, and three. Uh, Maryland dominating Virginia Tech 54-10. Um, then yesterday there were some really good games. Uh, Michigan State comes back to beat Pitt 31-21. to uh, Peyton Thorne had a really good second half for the Spartans. Uh, South Carolina beats UNC 38-21 in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Uh, Pittsburgh-Michigan State was the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Both of those games were yesterday. And then the Music City Bowl, Purdue beating Tennessee in overtime. Um, and then Wisconsin beating Arizona State in the late game in the Las Vegas Bowl. Um, and then obviously you got 
the big games today, Cincinnati, Alabama, Georgia, and Michigan. There are live updates actually on two games going on right now. The Gator Gator Bowl between Wake Forest and Rutgers is late in the second quarter. Wake Forest is up 17-10. to 10. Texas A&M was supposed to play in this game, but they ran into some virus issues, so they dropped out of this game. Um, and so uh, Rutgers, I think, was the next best team that got selected to play. Um, and then Washington State and Central Michigan. Um, Central Michigan moved over from the uh, moved over from the Arizona Bowl to play in the Sun Bowl. So they were playing. They are playing Washington State right now. That game is scoreless early in the first quarter. So now we can talk about the uh, national national semifinals. So uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati and Alabama, the early game at three thirty. Um, I do think that this is going to be a good game. I think that, you know, a lot of people are expecting, oh, Alabama's going to roll. You know, they've been a team that's been very good all season, especially offensively, um, and playing a Cincinnati team that, you know, has never been in a playoff. They're the first group of five or first group of five team uh, to be in the, in the playoff uh, since the playoff started in 2015, I believe, or 2014, I think. So, I think I do expect Alabama to win, but I think Cincinnati is going to make this a competitive game. And I do think that they have a possibility that they could pull the upset. I'm not going to say that it's definitely going to happen because anytime an upset happens, it's pretty hard to predict. But I think if there's going to be a team that could give Cincinnati or Alabama issues, it's Cincinnati. And I say this because Cincinnati has a quarterback that I think can go shot for shot with, uh, with Bryce Young. You know, Bryce Young obviously has been unbelievable this season, won the Heisman Trophy, well-deserved. But Desmond Ritter is a guy that I think can absolutely match what he can do offensively. Not to say that he's the same player, he can do the same things, but he's very good. And I think that he is a possibility to be a high-drafted quarterback in this year's draft. Um, but I think if there's a team that can give Alabama issues, I think historically through the years— it's a team that has a really good quarterback, you know, whether that's a quarterback who's a, who's a dual threat or someone that can just make really good decisions and kind of keep this game from getting away from itself. Um, I think that Ritter is a guy that can play at a really high level and make this a really interesting game for uh, Cincinnati. Um, you know, I think the biggest matchup in this game is going to be uh, Jameson Williams versus whichever Cincinnati cornerback, you know, covers him, whether it's Gardner or whether it's Bryant, you know, I think that that's going to be, that is going to be a huge matchup in this game because I think if Cincinnati can contain Williams and not let him break free for like a big long touchdown or something like that, I think that Cincinnati can absolutely win this game. You know, I think that Alabama not having John Mechie, the wide receiver, is a really big loss for them. Um, but I think that Bryce Young has the ability to make big plays for other guys. You know, it could be someone that we don't even think about that makes a big play um, in this game. But I think that Cincinnati is good enough to make this a game. But I just think Alabama is just going to be too good on offense. Um, but I think Ritter, if he can make the right decisions— and they can score touchdowns in the red zone. You know, this is going to make 
the game a lot more difficult than I think Alabama would want it to be. Um, so Alabama coming into the game 13 and a half point favorites, I kind of like, you know, that's what I kind of like for the game score. I think Alabama will win 30 to 16, 31 to 17, something like that. Um, but I think don't take Cincinnati lightly. I think they're a team that, you know, again, we've talked about motivation and motivation can be a big thing that can get a team going, you know, much like how the teams that have played the Patriots the last two weeks. And I think Cincinnati's coming in that no one believes in us. No one believes that we can hang with a number one team. People don't believe that they should be, you know, in the playoff. People have said a lot of things about group of five teams that they're not good enough. And I think they're a team that could burn that stereotype and maybe even get a win in this game. Um, but I think Alabama is going to make too many good offensive plays or too many big explosive plays for Cincinnati to recover. But I'm telling you, do not sleep on this Cincinnati team. I think they could absolutely make this game interesting. Um, but I do like Alabama to win. So in the other game tonight at 7.30 um, in, at the Orange Bowl in Miami, I should mention that Cincinnati and Alabama is at the Cotton Bowl Classic um, at AT&T Stadium this afternoon. Georgia and Michigan at the Orange Bowl in Miami. This game is at 7.30, and I think this is a hot take for me, but I think the winner of this game wins the national championship. Um, I think... that you're going to see two very highly motivated teams. You know, I think Georgia um, in the playoff for, or hadn't been in the playoff for a few years, um, coming in with a chip on their shoulder, if you can believe that. I mean, they've been the number one team almost all season, you know, before they got humbled by Alabama in the SEC championship game. I think that this is a Georgia team that's going to be very motivated uh, to come in and win, but I think Michigan is also motivated too. You know, starting the season, I believe starting the season unranked, um, had a very good season. Their only loss was to Michigan State at home, I think on the road in a really, really good, exciting game. But I think, you know, this is a game that's going to be very interesting. I think that this game is a chance to be closer um, than the other game. I know that Georgia's favored by seven and a half, but I think that this game is going to be closer than that. Um, I really think the key in this game is going to be how does Michigan's offense do against Georgia's defense and how dominant that they've been. Um, I don't think that Michigan's going to be able to throw the ball all over the yard like Alabama did in the SEC championship. I think they're going to be more of a team that's going to try to, you know, pound them with the run. But, you know, you see how well anyone's done against Georgia this season trying to run the ball. You know, I think that they may not be able to do it with a lot of success, but I think if Michigan can stick to the run and kind of control the clock, I think they can do good things in this game. You know, I don't want to say that Stetson Bennett for Georgia is a game manager because he kind of seems like he plays that way, but I think that Georgia has some big players offensively that can make a difference, I think, especially in the run game. Um, but I think which team, whichever team can run the ball more effectively is going to win this game. Um, I think that Michigan probably has, both teams really, I think, have very good running backs. You know, Georgia with 
Zamir White and uh, James Cook, um, and then Michigan with Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. Um, I think that this game may come down to which offense can make more explosive plays um, and which offense can kind of be a team that maybe takes some risks and maybe trying a trick play or trying, you know, a type of play that you wouldn't try against another, another defense. Um, but maybe try if Georgia specifically, I think is over aggressive or on the other hand, if Michigan is too aggressive, you know, do either one of these offensive coordinators decide to kind of call games a different way or do they make a gutsy play call? Cause I think that's what this game could come down to. I think that, you know, as much as I say Stetson Bennett is kind of a game manager, he can play very well, but I think Cade McNamara for Michigan, I think is the X factor in this game. If he can keep the ball or if he can not turn the ball over, I think that that's going to be key for Michigan. Um, I honestly like Michigan to win. Um, I just don't know if I trust Stetson Bennett to win a game like this. I think that you know, Michigan's defense led by Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a defense that is going to make some big plays in the backfield. And I think that, you know, they're a team pass rush wise that could really make things uncomfortable for Bennett. Um, and I think, you know, he's a guy that's kind of a guy that just gets to the skill players. But I think if you can get to him and force him to make some mistakes, force him into bad throws, I think Michigan can win this game. So, Personally, I think Michigan beats Georgia. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to come down to one score, you know, 31 to 24, 30 to 23, something like that, 28 to 24. I think you're going to see a very good game tonight. So I'm really looking forward to it, that game at 7.30 on both games on ESPN. So by that logic, I would like to see Alabama and Michigan in the championship, but we'll see what happens uh, enjoy the games tonight. And I think just to close, we're going to talk a little bit of college basketball. There's not really a whole lot of uh, extra stuff to talk about this week, but uh, Baylor back atop the AP poll, the top five, staying the same. Baylor, Duke, Purdue, Gonzaga, and UCLA. Tennessee making some making a jump from 19 to 14, so they are up. Um, and then some teams making drops. Alabama dropped from 10th to 19th. Um, Arizona dropping from 6 to 9. And then Xavier dropping from 18 to 23. So that's what we're looking at for, for college basketball. Obviously, the um, conference games have started. Obviously, there are some games that have been postponed, but... Um, some games tomorrow afternoon, Baylor and Iowa State, both of those teams undefeated. Um, that game is on ESPNU. Baylor first, Iowa State is eighth. Uh, Villanova and Seton Hall will play tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Villanova 22nd, Seton Hall 15th. So I think that's probably, um, probably all I got for this week. So uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and I'd like to wish everyone a happy and healthy new year. I'm really excited to see uh, where the podcast can go this this year. Um, so obviously, we'll keep you updated on um, guests that may be coming in. You know, I'm hoping to get this new format out um, in two weeks. I think next week we'll still be uh, doing the same thing, getting back to 
or getting to doing just, you know, once a week. So I'll probably be with you guys next Friday. Um, and then I anticipate the week after that to get into some guests, but obviously we'll keep everyone updated with that. So everyone, um, enjoy your, enjoy your New Year's Eve. Happy New Year. Um, enjoy the college football games tonight if you're going to be watching. Um, so we'll, we'll talk to you in, in the new year. All right, everyone. Have a good one.